0: Stay hey, humble. This world is full of smart people and there are much smarter people than you. This is a community. The more we share, the more we grow. As someone said that we stand on the shoulders of giants. So we are just taking from others. So it's good to give to others as well.
1: What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Artists of Data Science podcast. My goal with this podcast is to share the stories and journeys of the thought leaders in data science, the artists who are creating value for our field through the content they're creating, the work they're doing, and the positive impact they're having within their organizations, industries, society, and the art of data science as a whole. I can't even begin to express how excited I am that you're joining me today. My name is Harpreet Sahota, and I'll be your host as we talk to some of the most amazing people in data science. Today's episode is brought to you by Data Science Dream Job. If you're wondering what it takes to break into the field of data science, check out dsdj.co forward slash artists with an S for an invitation to a free webinar where we'll give you tips on how to land your first job in data science. I've also got a free open mastermind Slack community called the Artists of Data Science Loft that I encourage everyone listening to join. I'll make myself available to you for questions on all things data science and keep you posted on the bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting for our community. Check that out at artofdatascienceloft.slack.com. Community is super important, and I'm hoping you guys will join the community where we can keep each other motivated, keep each other in the loop on what's going on with our own journeys so that we can learn, grow, and get better together. Let's ride this beat out into another awesome episode. And don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, love, rate, and review the show. Our guest today has over 15 years of experience in software development, building products that consistently deliver value while maintaining the perspective of the end users. Throughout his career, he's grown teams from scratch and has successfully played the role of both mentor and leader. He's experienced using multiple programming languages and technology stacks and believes in leveraging that experience to paint a holistic picture of the product to ensure positive impact for his end users. He's passionate about developing innovative software solutions, continuous learning, and applying new technologies and skills that can lead to efficient product. He believes in building products that are performant, scalable, and efficient that help drive value while delivering solutions to tough business problems. He enjoys collaborating with research, engineering, and business teams alike in search of finding the optimal solution. The engineer in him loves optimizing algorithms and prototyping solutions for efficient implementation, and he strives to follow the engineering best practices in extending prototypes into fully functional, polished, and product. He's a Graduate of the highly prestigious India Institute of Technology at Delhi and has worked at companies such as Motorola, Hewlett-Packard, Time, and ExxonMobil. Currently, he's the data science team lead at TradeRev, where he leads the design, architecture, implementation, and deployment of several machine learning services and products. So please help me in welcoming our guest today, Amit Jain. Amit, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Really happy to have you here as a guest.
0: Thank you so much, Harpreet, for organizing this. I'm super excited to be a part of this and it's a good platform to share my experience and, you know, talk about things.
1: I know that our listeners are going to be able to gain a tremendous amount of value and insight from your journey. Um, Speaking of your journey, man, you come from a very strong software engineering background. Uh, Can you talk to me about your journey from software engineering into data science and machine learning? Maybe touch on some of the challenges that you faced along the way and how you overcame them.
0: Of course, I'll be happy to do that. So I am electronics, communication, triple E, I, uh, I did my bachelor's in electronics communication. I did my master's in wireless communication. The first job I had was into telecom, and it was a natural transition for me. I, I worked for Motorola. Uh, there, I was primarily into networks, telecom networks, uh, 3G, 4G spectrum of that, uh, and that was light software, so all the network is basically running on a server and that has a a, a software on it. Embedded C, C++, assembly language. So I'm talking of like 2005 timeframe. Uh, And that time, there was no machine learning, uh, primarily in the industry. It was in the research phases, mostly. So over then, from 2005 to, let's say, roughly 2015, the the 10 years of uh, my journey was primarily into embedded software, telecom, firmware uh, across different industries. Around 2015, there was a shift uh, where slowly, you know, you were hearing a lot about uh, deep learning, machine learning, gaining some traction. And said so that brought me the curiosity, okay, what it is, right? And the funny thing is, uh, in my bachelor's way back, maybe in 2000 timeframe, I remember we had a subject called neural networks. Mm -hmm. And we never like, we we were just thinking it's a subject, right? So, and now when I look back, We actually had neural networks in our course, bachelor's course, but it was never like a a mainstream subject. So around that 2015 timeframe, I started looking into Coursera, uh, Stanford lectures, MIT lectures, you know, they have a lot of good open source material. And then over a period of time, I just gained some of the intuition about it. Uh, The main inflection point came when I joined my last organization, ExxonMobil. There... I was into quite, quite challenging work, which was basically related to image processing, signal processing, and modeling, like uh, seismic modeling of Earth, which is basically uh, all mathematics, all of the equations. And it is heavily statistical based, numerical analysis is highly widely used. And then we were exploring machine learning. So that role was a pivot in my career. Where I, I was working very closely with researchers. I was taking their POCs, which were in Python 2.7, NumPy, Pandas. My role was to take them into production in C++. So that was my first uh, break into uh, machine learning in industry. There were a lot of challenging. It was never an easy journey for me. And still, it is not an easy journey. It's a like tremendous learning curve. Couple of challenges uh, you can, I can summarize for you as uh, getting an intuition of what machine learning is. It's data, right? But Based on data, you have outliers, you have a lot of pre-processing requirements, you have normalization, you have a skew in data. So getting that intuition, you know, how it impacts was a big, big challenge for me. And then understanding sometimes the Python code, the, the numerical Python code. The POCs are never focused on performance. They're always focused on, you know, getting to show it's working. When you have to take it to production, it has to be performance. So as an example, one of the projects I did in ExxonMobil, the Python code was running at Uh, and production code i did a comparison later on there was a 30x improvement in the speed of the system taking from python to c++ and that was just not c++ there was optimizations everywhere you know trying to understand okay why there is a bottleneck here and there because a poc is never concerned about it and my role is you know getting things into production so i have to always take that challenge of speeding up things, scaling up things. So that's one of the challenges. The other challenge which I always face is how do we scope out things for the business? You know, the business yeah, has a certain yeah. objective. Exactly. How do we ensure that that objective can be met by the data and by the data science, machine learning teams?
1: That's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of the times when students are upskilling, when they're breaking into the field, um, they're not really cognizant of, of these challenges that, that you're yeah. going to face once you start bringing something into production. Yeah. Um, so could you talk to me um, about some of the common challenges you've seen with, with these up-and-coming uh, data scientists and machine learning engineers? Uh, you know, you, you've had experience building up teams, so you've, you've worked with, yeah. with with freshers. Yeah. Um, what are some of the challenges you, you see uh, these freshers face uh, when, when we're talking about taking something from proof of concept into production? So
0: one of the biggest challenges I see is it's like, the visibility is just a model you know you have a business problem and you have a model the model will solve the problem for you but then just don't stick to the model have a bigger picture how your model is going to fit into your the entire product as an anecdotal evidence i was attending a conference last year and there i think there was it was tensorflow world last year and one of the google engineers he he showcased a slide in which he said in a overall product 10 to 20% is just machine learning there are a lot of you know, surrounding things about it. So getting the holistic picture is, I always find challenging with the new and upcoming people in data Mm -hmm. science. They're just worried about the accuracy of their model. It's just 10 to 20% of the overall, uh, you know, piece of puzzle. So that's one of the things. The other thing is uh, people look at complex solutions rather than, you know, looking at simpler solutions. Uh, Maybe a a scikit-learn model can solve the problem for you or, Maybe a a basic algorithm uh, can solve the problem for you rather than applying deep learning and, you know, complex networks. So start from, you know, and and it's good to showcase that, you know, I know, let's say PyTorch and Keras and all those things, and I build so many layers of model, but can you do it simple? And if you can do it simple, it's easier to debug, easier to explain later on.
1: Yeah. The solutions just end up being more parsimonious, more elegant, right? um and it's easier to communicate to people who are maybe not as technical What's up artists check out our free open mastermind Slack channel The Artists of Data Science Loft at Loft.slack.com. I'll keep you posted on the bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting and it's a great environment and community for all of us to talk all things data science Look forward to seeing you there Um, so how can a data scientist that's, that's kind of up and coming, like, what could they do to kind of gain this awareness about, you know, kind of going beyond that 10 to 20% thinking only about mm-hmm. the accuracy? What, what are some things that, uh, that you suggest they, they look into or, or research about to, to gain this intuition that you're talking about?
0: So I basically see it in two ways. One is how the machine learning is helping the business or the overall product or Machine learning is the bread and butter, or is it the product itself? Uh, let's say, uh, give an example for trade rev business. Trade rev is an auction house for used cars. It's a B2B space, dealer to dealer space, where dealers can auction their cars. So the bread and butter of the uh, company is auction. Now, where machine learning comes in picture is we do recommended systems. We recommend trades to you know dealers. We predict prices of the cars. We predict from the images whether the car, whether you actually listed a car or not, or you have listed some horse cart or a truck or something, you know. So the benefit of machine learning here is it is adding some value to the business, but it is not the bread and butter of the business. Whereas compare to a company which is into let's say credit card uh, fraud detection right so assuming a bank is using a third party service for uh, detecting credit card fraud right uh, the bread and butter of that company is detect credit card fraud right so there's a huge difference in the two uh, approaches when the person is joining a bread and butter the AI company which whose bread and butter is machine learning he has to be much more conversant of how this product will impact the business because a model is not good it's going to kill the product and kill the company so having first level of understanding of that and then the second thing would be that think about what will happen if today this model gets more data or less data maybe you had bad data Have you thought about those scenarios to gain a holistic picture? And once you have that, then you have to concentrate on the data pipeline. Maybe your data pipeline is not as good as you wanted your data to be. So why you want to restrict yourself to just one isolated territory, right? If you have a model in production, how will you monitor it? What's the use of a model if you cannot monitor? You don't know how it's performing in production. These are the common traits which are there in the two companies. But the emphasis on a company where, you know, machine learning is adding revenues is another thing is how will you measure that your recommended system, let's say, has actually increased the sales. Like, uh, let's say, talk of YouTube, you have a recommended system. They can actually track based on your history and your future use, whether their recommender system is working. And Netflix basically works on recommender systems. They recommend you the shows, right? And if their recommender system is bad, their revenue is going to go bad. So getting a holistic picture... Uh, involves, you know, looking at your models, the monitoring pieces, the data pipelines. These are the, some of the things which people can look at.
1: Everyone listening, I hope you're taking notes, uh, with what Amit was just talking about. So, you know, very often when you're upskilling, when you're learning, you're only dealing with, like you said, one half of chapter yeah. two, I, I like to call it is the monitoring, mm-hmm. evaluating. What are some things that, that a fresher can do to develop their, their awareness and skill when it comes to monitoring a, a model's performance?
0: I think it's a bit tricky for a fresher to do that in live production. It can be thought of as assuming they are part of a team and the team has some metrics designed about it. Mm -hmm. So at least to begin with, they can look at the dashboards, which say that, okay, in the real-time inference, what was the prediction accuracy of the models? And if they don't have, then maybe try creating one um as an example, I can give you in, in in real life let's say we have a regression problem let's say house prediction right you have a inference api uh, if the team is not having the monitoring dashboard. Take the initiative and build a monitoring dashboard, and it's it's a very simple dashboard. You can uh, segregate it by let's say months, and for first month you had let's say ten thousand hits. Those ten thousand hits gave you whatever X Y Z predictions. Now can you do a back test and see whether those match your expectations, and what mm-hmm. was the error there? so these things uh, will help gain a better picture, and it can so happen you discover outliers that maybe mm-hmm. your model was having a huge error because of one of the outliers and based on that you can you know take outlier detection into the next training
1: yeah thank you very much for that man that's really valuable information so let's talk about agile and scrum methodology for for yeah. data science teams machine learning projects <laughs> how have you noticed it play out is the agile methodology does it play out Differently from software engineering teams to data science and machine learning teams.
0: That's a very uh, you know insightful question, and this is one of the places where a lot of teams are struggling. I just mm-hmm. want to go back in time. How the software engineering has evolved. So earlier there was a waterfall model. You have requirements, and you know six months you work on it, and go back to customer, and the iteration never happened. To improve on that, there was a agile manifesto, and then you know it had fast iterations. There was scope for feedback. All was good in, uh, in the software world. I think last 20 years or so, uh, Agile has been thoroughly tested scrum has been implemented in many teams I've been using scrum for last like 10 years or so now comes data science data science is research Mm -hmm. hardcore research and you know sometimes you don't know where you're starting so somehow I feel data science is more is more close to waterfall rather than to scrum scrum is more oriented towards you know delivering software we had these challenges sometime back and then what we figured out we were trying out is separate the research phase from production phase and the research phase can be in kanban you just have work items uh, you're time boxing them to some extent uh you're not like i typically like to call them at you know just doing a breadth first search so just explore what are the available options rather than going depth first where you just taking one approach down to the drain. So given a you know time box of one month, let's explore out. And once that is there, then go to Scrum. Taking Scrum in research phase is a recipe for disaster because you have to give output in, let's say, two weeks, right? My personal experience has been that two weeks, sometimes you just discover a failure. Maybe you, you don't have a data. And having a, a time bomb ticking that, you know, two, two weeks is ending, two weeks is ending, it's not helpful so separate the research from production phase is can be a good approach to you know work in a data science machine learning production team
1: awesome man. that was really really insightful man thank you for sharing that you kind of segue into this next question i had um when we, when you're taking on a new project what are what are some of the steps you take to keep you on track while you're kind of navigating that ambiguity of of the data science project or machine learning project
0: okay so this is uh, not very different from a typical software project i do i basically start with day zero and understand what the business wants what is the business objective and then time travel to a time where we have actual product i am in the present the business comes says you know this is what we want and then i visualize after let's say six months we have the product how it will look and then mm. do a backtrack from that if i have a time period of three months to six months and i want to be at this stage what are my intermittent milestones so backtrack from then okay if at let's say six months down the line I want this where should I be at five months where should be at four months at three months two months you know and then start having my thoughts around it so what is real blocker is the data blocker or is something else blocking so wherever the top blockers are i try to get them in the first few months and then the low-hanging fruits sometimes i just delay to the end because it can be figured out so this is one approach and then with clearly defined milestones we can always navigate and track but of course real life is very different unexpected issues and you know dependencies and then based on that we keep iterating i keep modifying my schedule change course.
1: Thank you, man. Are you an aspiring data scientist struggling to break into the field? Well, then check out dsdj.co forward slash artists to reserve your spot for a free informational webinar on how you can break into the field. That's going to be filled with amazing tips that are specifically designed to help you land your first job. Check it out. dsdj.co forward slash artists As somebody who's walked the path from fresher to now being a team lead, um, what are, what are some steps that someone can take to go from expiring data scientist Mm -hmm. to, to a data science or machine learning team lead?
0: One of the basic things is, do you really want to do it? Do you really want to be a leader or you just want to be an individual contributor? Are you happy doing just a single job, which can be, you know, coding or researching or something? Or do you actually want to lead? Because being a leader involves a lot of responsibility. I'll say this disadvantage is I have a burden of mentoring people. If I mentor someone really well, so he his career will grow. But if I do a mistake, the person can be devastated and he might feel discouraged, right? So there's, uh, I always call it like a, I'm wearing a, a, a crown of thorns. There's a burden on it. Even though I think I'm doing a good job, my team is happy. But still, I have that fear, right? Assuming if I do something wrong, it's going to impact the person. So this is very important to know. Can you handle people? If you can, and if you think you're good for the role, the first thing you should do is uh, figure out, can you mentor someone? Not necessarily your peer. It can be a junior in any any field. Can you mentor? And can you take criticism? Are you open to criticism? It's not that, you know, not an ideal world. People have issues. So they'll come back to you. Once you... Know that, uh, do the initial mentoring, you will know where your skills are there or they're lacking. Uh, Technically, you have to be strong. So whether it is coding or it is architecture, that is that has to be strong. The other thing you need to learn is delegation. So as a leader, you are not supposed to do the work. Your, your job is to get the work done. Clear demarcation. Given a chance, I will do the entire work, but then I might spend 24 hours a day, right? So can you delegate? Can you learn to delegate work and can you identify priorities? These are a couple of things if you can think about it and mentoring, delegating work, uh, thinking about the priorities. And the, I think one of the most important features is uh, business impact. Can you think about how your work will have a business impact. So mm-hmm. if those things you can, you know, keep in mind, then over a period of time, you can be a leader. And mm-hmm. always you need to keep in mind that as a leader, people depend on you. If, if you can hold yourself accountable, trustable, right? Then you'll mm-hmm. be a great leader.
1: Very insightful, man. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're uh, much of a reader, but there's a book on leadership that I absolutely love. It's called uh, Multipliers. Oh, um, oh yeah. I, I think her name is Liz Weissman that wrote the book, an extremely amazing book on leadership and, and you know, what it means to to yeah. be to be a leader that brings out the best in in, in his employees, right? Yes. Um, you know, definitely I I agree with everything you're yeah. saying there, man.
0: I, so I think I've I've heard about it, that's but I'll I'll now read it. Yeah, it is an awesome thank book. For
1: the Thanks Oh for yeah. It. Mm-hmm. for sure man so so kind of touching back on that, um you know we've talked about the the obvious technical skills um, that somebody needs to break into the field, but what would you consider to be uh, an essential skill that need that that someone needs to have uh, so that that they can be and remain successful as either a data scientist or machine learning engineer?,
0: uh, I think one of the main skills will be adaptability and flexibility. Mm. you have to be flexible um, mm. you know if you just say that I'm a data scientist I'm just going to do research maybe it will work for big teams maybe it will not work for small teams because you may mm. not have a data engineer your models will not work if you don't have data so you might have to you know go to the other side and do some data engineering work or mm-hmm. you have models in, you know deployed but there is a, a bug which comes and you will have to go figure out where the bug is So the more flexible you are and the more adaptable you are to work across the full stack data science, which is right from, you know, data ingestion to the final delivery, the better your scope is to gain uh, across the spectrum skills as well as remain successful in the job and curiosity. Mm -hmm. You have to be curious, Okay, what this is and how it is solving the problem. These are some of the Mm -hmm. soft skills. The, the idea that, you know, this field is very mature research. I think the research is in uh, good shape. The next thing is production. We have to take research to production. The more flexible you are, the more uh, successful you will be.
1: Definitely, man. I like that. Like you kind of have to get rid of that phrase. It's not my job. from your Exactly. That's yeah.
0: I think that's the right, to, for, right phrase
1: to put it. What are something that you know? What are some characteristics that you're looking for in uh, up and coming data scientists and machine learning engineers?
0: Teamwork is one of the main things, Philip. You are not an uh, individual working. You have to work with a team. It's a collaborative work. And the second thing is, technically, you have to be strong. Given a problem, you know, even if you cannot solve it, you should have a clear thought process. You know, what steps you could do. Like in interviews, typically some people are able to solve it, some are not able to solve it. But if you have a clear thought process that, you know, given this scenario, this could be implemented, that's good enough. Some ability to be flexible. Like I always ask in interviews that this is the expected work, but maybe this will not happen when you join. You might go on another project which will be in a different skill set within the same domain like machine learning or data science. But your expertise, as an example, your expertise is in, let's say, recommended systems, but we may not have that. We may give you uh, some regression problems. Are you open with that? So those are the skills uh, and I look at.
1: Apart from your stunning technical skills, what are some qualities you feel have contributed to your success uh, as as a machine learning engineer.
0: I think persistence uh, and perseverance. There have been times where it was very difficult for me to give a successful product, but I was very persistent on it, day in day out, working nonstop on that. Trying to upgrade myself every now and then. Mm-hmm. I usually don't get much time to do that, but wherever I'm commuting, or you know, trying to figure out what's a good lecture to look into it and upgrading myself. Mm -hmm. And on the leadership side, I think um, one of the things which has really helped me is constant interaction with the team and the managers for the feedback. So I'm very open to feedback and I Mm -hmm. have a fail-fast approach. So if there is something uh, wrong or it's not on track, let's look at it right now or maybe a day later rather than waiting for six months. So Mm -hmm. a fail-fast approach is what has helped me a, a lot.
1: Awesome, man. Spoken like a true linchpin. Um, so, hey, before we jump into the lightning round, uh-huh. uh, what's what's the one thing you want people to learn from your story?
0: Stay humble. This world is full of smart people and there are much smarter people than you. Just stay humble. Appreciate mm-hmm. your success, but don't be arrogant.
1: Excellent advice. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into our lightning rounds. Python or R? Python. Any Any particular reason?
0: My prime focus is taking things to production. Python has held a lot of libraries, so many, yeah. types, so easy to take into production. Yeah. And also many people are comfortable with
1: it. Same here, man. I'm, I'm Python all the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, what's your favorite algorithm? I, I know that's kind of hard to answer without, without context, but, but what would you say is your, your favorite okay. algorithm? So
0: you forgot you're asking this to a software engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So from software engineering, my favorite one is binary search. Very basic, very simple idea and does mm-hmm. the job. In machine learning, I'll say uh, the convolution neural network, it's, mm-hmm. it's algorithm and architecture. But I think CNNs, I really love them. They take an image and have the spatial pattern of it. I just mm-hmm. love
1: it. What's the book that every data scientist or machine learning engineer should read?
0: I think I, I really love the book by Orlan uh, Giron uh, Hands-On Data Science with Scikit-Learn
1: and TensorFlow. Mm-hmm. That's a great book. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll include that. Uh, I'll include the title and the author's name in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite question to ask in a job interview?
0: From a technical side, I tend to ask binary search. It basically gives an idea of what the person is thinking. Can he work around the edge cases? Mm-hmm. And with a small algorithm, it basically opens up his mind. Mm-hmm. And on the, uh, on the leadership side, I tend to ask, tell me about a scenario where you have failed. Uh, what was the reason? And, you know, what was your learning from it? That helps me to see what the person has, but like how did he approach the failure? Because a re- this is a research field and we fail a lot. So if a person says, I haven't failed, Uh, that's a lie
1: what's the strangest question you've been asked in an interview
0: I have to think about that man I think uh, that was maybe some time back Um, Mm -hmm. the question which was asked was uh, basically there is a it was a bit technical question and bit uh, nonsensical that uh, you know you have a bar and the bar has number of you know different uh, types of uh, liquor in it Um, and there are like ten people there. Can you give us a rough permutation combination of what a person can drink? After that, can you predict who will be more drunk? So <laughs> this is this is partially what I remember. Yeah, and I was that's interesting. Like, I was like, why the hell I'm being asked this question? It doesn't make sense to me. But later, I think the person wanted to know that can I think rationally?
1: But that was a good question for me. Or maybe he wanted to see uh, what your what your drink tolerance was. <laughs> yeah, maybe. all <laughs> oh, that. Hey, so how, how can uh, how can our people connect with
0: you? So I am pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. You can always search for Amit Jain TradeRev. I am always there, and I'm on okay. Twitter as well. My handle is ml underscore Amit. So, awesome. and I, I can share that with you. You can put in
1: my notes. Yeah, definitely, man. Hey, well, Amit, thank you so much for for being so generous with your time. I really appreciate uh, you taking time to answer some of these questions. I think that our community and our listeners are really going to benefit from your insight and your experience. Uh, so I can't thank you enough for, for taking time out of your schedule to be on the show, man.
0: Uh, thank you so much, Harpreet. I think it was a very nice conversation with you and I'm always eager to share, eager to help people who are getting into the field or you know, who are in a similar journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always... Uh, Feel that you know uh, this is a community. The more we share, the more we grow. As someone said, that we stand on the shoulders of giants. So we are just taking from others. So good to give to others as well.
1: Oh, I love it, man. Hey, well, thank you so much, Ahmed.
0: Thank you so much, Harpreet. this was very really nice talking to you, man.